This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast. And we're coming to you on a Wednesday, back in the virtual joint, because there's been two games back-to-back for the Bees. And to be quite honest with you, sometimes it's really good when you have two games back-to-back, one on a Tuesday night after a Saturday, because if you lose on the Saturday, you can actually kind of uh, sort of kind of make amends on the Tuesday, or the team can make amends, and it's exactly what they did. Saturday, we went to Fulham. It didn't go according to plan. But we came back Tuesday night, went down to Colchester. We were up for the cup, and the Bees got a win. So I'm feeling a little bit better than I was on Saturday night. My name's Billy Grant, and like I said to you, I'm sitting here in the virtual joint with a couple of my buddies. I have got Mr. Laney in the house and uh the last time i saw you are I, I left you in a cocktail bar in putney laney how you doing i was working as a waitress in a cocktail bar that's where you i were met indeed you, where i met you mate <laughs> um, right. yeah it was it was a it was a good night considering we we, we lost to the uh to the fulham um yeah we, we, we stayed around fulham um and went to Wellsfield. um yeah till till quite of yeah late late doors as they say so yeah we had, we had a good day regardless uh we, we kicked the football out of the football eventually and um yeah we just uh carried on with the drinking really <laughs> so yeah, but as you say you know yeah the, the the saturday tuesday which is like the championship kind of routine we've got that two weeks running so we've got another saturday tuesday we've got uh we've got everton then the crystal palace all day to look forward yes. to that's right. So uh, looking forward to that, as we say. So um, and, and we've got also we've got the South Coast B. We've got the cog in the house. Lewis Coughlin, how are you doing, Lewis? Yeah, good. Thanks. Yeah, all good. Thanks, Bill. 
That's right. You're looking a bit, you know, you look a bit Essex shaped, actually. You know, the cog, as you say to you, because you, you look like you, you've, you've, you've travelled east. You know what I'm saying? You look sort of kind of sort of weather, weather worn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, back late last night from uh, Colchester. So, uh, yeah, but all, all good. Thanks. I enjoyed the game. That's all good. So listen, so tell you something, we've got loads of things to talk about on this podcast. Obviously, we've got the Fulham game to chat about. We've got the Colchester game we're going to chat about as well. And also, we're looking forward to the weekend because we've got Everton who are coming down to us, coming out to New Griffin Park for the well, the second time. You know, they, kept, they were here last year. And like I said, it's the first time that we played Everton other than last year since we played them in ironically the league cup which is what we played colchester in on tuesday which was a marvelous night i think it's 2010 where uh, richard lee made all sorts of ridiculous saves to actually put us through to the next round and uh yeah which is all good so like i said to you we've got connor from the toffee blues podcast who's going to be chatting to us about stuff we've also got a jb who's going to be giving us some facts and some funk um but tell you what i'm going to go back to chat to my buddies here about saturday and about the weekend and about listen the premier league in general i'm going to be honest with you I had no interest. When Brentford was in the Premier League, I never even watched Match of the Day. I didn't really watch it. I was fully ensconced in EFL football, lower league football. That's where my life has been for years. And like I said, you have no interest. But obviously, the last year or so, we've had to have a little bit of interest in Premier League football. So I've been watching the games, having a look around and seeing what's happened. And like I said to you, the thing that I noticed the most about the Premier League, which I thought was a bit rubbish, is that, you know, as they say, there's like basically sort of three or four teams that are kind of pretty much run away with it. A few other teams that might try and push them if they can. And then there's the rest. And then you've got the relegation fodder, as they call them. Like, you know what I'm saying? So it's a really weird league where technically, if you're down the bottom, you don't really compete at the top and so on and so forth. However, this season, I mean, I'm just asking the question now because there's been all sorts of ridiculous early upsets in the league. You know, we obviously had Brentford, you know, upsetting Man United. We had Fulham um, drawing with uh, uh, Liverpool early on. You know, we had Man United upsetting Liverpool a few days ago. We had, you know, Fulham upsetting everybody. We had Leeds upsetting Chelsea, smashing them the other night. And then everybody upsetting West Ham. And there's there's all sorts going on at the moment now, which shouldn't technically happen. And the one thing I just thought about the Premier League is that I always wanted Premier League to be a league where it's exciting with the Premier like the Championship, where you can get, you know, somebody who's flying out at the top of the Championship, then they get beaten by, you know, but on Barnsley or, you know, Wickham Wanderers down at the bottom. And that, you know, that, that used to happen and it made that league really exciting. So you go into the end of the season and you've still got sort of, sort of eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 teams that can still go for a promotion. But you don't necessarily get that vibe in the Premier League. However, looking at these results... I'm just wondering, are things changing in the Premier League and are sort of the inverted commas smaller clubs maybe getting a bit cleverer on working out how they can combat this big money? Laney? I think it's early doors, mate. I think it's, a, it's early days to be kind of making kind of sweeping kind of uh, has it changed over the season. I, I do get your point, though. I think it's, you know, it has been a really exciting start to the season where it's been hard to kind of predict, uh, you know, absolute dead certs for the for the big clubs. You know, I watched I watched, you know, the the the, uh, the Leeds Chelsea game and I was kind of really surprised that, you know, um, they were almost doing a bit of a Brentford. They were kind of like, you know, just hassling and not paying much regard or respect to, to kind of like household names. And they were just getting stuck in. And that's that's the way we turned Man United over, was just not really allowing them to play, not letting them get settled. I think people might be getting savvy to the fact that if you, you know, if you can press high, 
you can uh, you know you can pr- produce quality moments of your own and that's not that's not just to say that you know you need to kind of just be running around like a blue ass fly you know biting and scratching and and kind of just pushing people all over the place I think you know you have to like sheep sheep like eight year olds you need to combine that high press with high quality and I think I think that the teams that I've seen that um, produce our results, you know, you said the Fulham against Liverpool in the first day of the season, us against Man United, you know, Leeds against uh, Leeds against Chelsea and in Bournemouth against, you know, um, Aston Villa on that opening day. You know, they're 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 kind of upsetting that apple cart. And I, I, I you know, I agree with you. I'd, I'd love for that to kind of carry on throughout the rest of the season. One thing, one more thing I will say, you know, you just said that you spent your life kind of almost ignoring the Premier League and the top flight because assuming like similar to me, you never thought we'd get there. Not really. Um, but now we are there. You know, I, 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 this isn't me saying I have lost interest in anything below the Prem, but you, you kind of have to realise that how, how little everything else is to the Prem. You know, even the championship, you know, we used to... We used to think it was great that all our goals would be on on a Saturday night on a separate programme. But, you you know, you, you really, I mean, I, I haven't got time to watch that now. And that's not that's not me sort of like wiping the slate clean with my, with my you know, lower league soul because, you know, there's a chance we'll be back there at some stage and I'll, I'll have to enjoy it all over again. But you do realise once you're in the top flight, how all-encompassing and, and how it out-trumps literally everything else. I'm loyal, Laney. I, I never thought oh. I'd hear you say something like that, mate. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Well, so I'm gonna, yeah, right. We, we left to. We left, I'm, I'm just. I'm getting the sub. I'm just getting the number. The substitute for this podcast, Laney. Oh. Laney's too big. <laughs> too big for this league now. He's too big not, for this that's league. Not, that's not what I said, though. <laughs> Listen, I've got the cog in the house. Cog, what's your thoughts? Well, yeah. I mean, the the, the game that I I saw at the weekend which was really exciting actually was Man City against Newcastle and that was really interesting because Newcastle really went at them and we had a performance from San Maximan which was like as good as he played against us at St James's Park last season but they absolutely terrorised Man City and That was really interesting, I think, because so often you see teams coming up against them pretty much keeping it tight. We were the same last season, home and away against them. And I think I get why we played that way, but it gave me real hope that if you really take them on, if you've got players with pace and skill and the pressing that Laney's talking about, you can actually uh, get something through a, a really exciting football game and that was like a really new template because i'm not seeing uh, small teams if you like take on man city in that way before i think the other thing to me that's exciting is the re-emergence of arsenal because uh, I, I think they will seriously challenge the top two this season you can see the trajectory of that club uh, they've bought well they've uh, developed their younger players uh, and there's something quite exciting happening there, which I think could, you know, could, could well displace uh, that that kind of uh, fairly established top two this season. 
yeah, I think Leeds turning Chelsea over was a big surprise as well. So maybe there is something in that. Laney's right, it's early days, but there is, uh, you know, if this is the beginning of something that's a bit more open, a bit more competitive, then uh, fantastic. And I think we have played our part in that as well. The way that we dismantled Man United will give other teams hope and uh, an approach, a template, if you like, to, to do the same. So I really hope this league can become a bit more even. It is early days, but the signs so far are, are really quite encouraging, I think. And I think probably where it comes from, you know, and every guest that comes on so far, I've asked them, you know, who do they think are going to be in the top four and in the bottom three as well. And I think that, you know, when you start it off, it gets quite predictable where people sort of say the bottom three are going to be the three that came up from the championship and the top four are going to be Man City, Liverpool, you know, probably Chelsea and Tottenham or something like that. It'll be interesting to see how that changes over the next few weeks. And also what I'll say is that I'm going to be honest with you now. If you ask who's going to finish in the bottom three, I bet you after three weeks or three games in this season, a lot of people are going to be really confused as to who they're going to put down. Because if you sit down and you, you say, and we're going to talk about the Fulham game in a little bit, from the bottom of your heart, I think Fulham are going to be in the bottom three. My personal opinion is if they play out like they played against us and they played against Wolves and they played against Liverpool, you know, they're not, they, they're not going to be um, in the bottom three. And, you know, you've got teams like Aston Villa, you know, with Steven Gerrard, you've got Everton, who are a bit of a question mark you don't really know about. You've got Southampton, you've got Leicester, you've got and all Leicester. these clubs and, and Leicester. Leicester. That's right. That's right. <laughs> these clubs here, which are, which are all of a sudden, they start to become into the mix where you start thinking, well, actually, you know, you've got West Ham who are bottom of the, bottom of the league, right? I'm saying, okay, whether or not they stay there or not is a different story altogether. But the, the mad thing about it is that it has shifted everything. And maybe, you know, as you can see, you lose a few games at the beginning. It kind of changes the mindset of clubs. And if clubs start winning at the beginning, it changes their mindset. And it really does shift how the, the league shapes up, doesn't it, Lainey? Isn't it better, though, for it to be really predictable where the top six beat all the little clubs apart from us? I mean, because, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, the, the, the more points that the, the, the lower ones get, the harder it's going to be for us to guarantee survival. Because you're, you're, what we're saying is, like, the bottom 10 become a challenger. That makes it, it makes it sort of very difficult for, for those bottom 10 to, to actually sort of pull away from what should be necessarily the weaker team. So, mm. careful what you wish for, Mr. Grant. I hear what you're saying. I think I'm actually just probably saying that maybe the bottom three or the bottom four, bottom five are maybe different to what you everybody expects them to be because of just the way that things have changed and maybe. Mm. A few clubs have realised, you know, Crystal Palace, for example, yeah. right? Everyone sort of says, oh, they're always going to be in and around the relegation zone. But maybe Crystal Palace have worked out, this is what we need to do to get ourselves to the next level. And before you know it, they're actually taking points off the top sides and the sides who end up being bottom sides. Like, say, for example, I'm not saying they are, but I'm just using an example for now. So West Ham or whoever it may be. Do you understand? So all I'm just mm. trying to say is a shift taking place. But listen, we've talked enough about that because we can talk about that more in weeks to come. I think we need to go back to the weekend. I know we've been basically trying to find an excuse not to talk about the weekend, but we have to talk about the weekend. We have to go back to Putney, to SW6, to that park, whether it's called Bishop's Park, which we walked through. And we've got to talk about the match against Fulham. So Fulham, let me just, let me just put this here. Um, when the final whistle went, 
I, I cast my mind back. Well, I did a few other things as well, but I cast my mind back and I thought, tell you what, look, they've beaten us, but I have to admit, I can't actually remember the last time I've lost at this ground. So I know I'm not feeling particularly great, but this is a very rare feeling. Now, maybe Fulham fans are listening to think, ah, they're finding excuses, but th- that is the truth. And you might also say, oh yeah, we were in the Premier League for X amount of years, but we have played Fulham quite a few times between 1990 and 2022. And basically they never beat us. And I suppose they did a sort of uh, the last time that we played them that we were allowed at the game. Uh, when we got the last minute equaliser, I think that was I think that was the last time that we played them in the green. We were in the green when Malpe scored the goal and he was celebrating and everyone was celebrating and it was really good. Um, they basically reversed they reversed the books on us this time, didn't they, Laney? Yes, they did. They did. Um, and yeah, I, I, we talked about this a little bit after the game, and I, I think it's worth sort of bringing up again that. The the rivalry is you know is as intense as ever, and we walk we walk back through the park and back towards Putney Bridge, and you and I both said, I hope they lose every single game for the rest of the season because it was it was just a, it was because we're petty, we're really petty, aren't we? We are petty, yeah, we are petty, and it was it was like there was some little snidey diggy comments. No one no one was threatening. I'll be if I'm honest with you, but there was there was like characters walking behind us, sort of like waiting for our reaction to whether oh you lost your cup final again lads you you bottled it at Wembley you bottled it again this afternoon and I was like oh, I didn't just didn't feel the same you know I he didn't like the fact that I said you know it looks like you've eaten a cake for every day celebrating since since like the, the Wembley game and um but it was um it was Mate, Dave, David yeah, that, was, that was uncalled for put me on myself but he, he was he was uh, yeah, he was a large lad um but he it's was large is um, beautiful yeah, he, was, yeah. He, wasn't. he was. He was. He was one of those things. He wasn't both. Um, it, it, it was. Uh, it was. It was. It didn't feel as bad. And, and, and I and I and I go back to that thing. You know, once all the time that they were in the, going to the top flight and we weren't, it really did smart, it, it, and it did. And um, and that was always the that was always the kind of like the really really tenseness of the fixtures was we we were both really pushing for promotion almost in every single year you know or a playoff place and every single year we played them in the championship and so there was always something there was always something a bigger prize at stake didn't want them to get there we wanted to get there ahead of them but now we're both there it just it's not the same it, it, it is still really intense i really wanted to beat them and the atmosphere was great inside the ground and all of that i get all of that but after walking away it just did. It felt like I would. I, would, I don't think I was any more gutted than if we would have lost to Leicester on the first game of the season. And Leicester. And Leicester. Yes. Oh, you <laughs> child. It was. It was. It, it was just. It was. It, every. I want to win every game, and I'm disappointed. There's jeopardy about every three points now in the Prem because you know staying here is is such a big thing for our club. Now we're investing all of this money in these incredible players. You know we're building something for five years, ten years. There's, you know, there's a there's a commitment now to having to be here. Um, so you know, lo- losing any game is kind of like okay, right, that's right. We need to get on with the next one. So it it was literally that more than anything else. But yeah, it was it it, it just seemed to have lost that real. It it didn't mean everything. It meant a lot, but not everything. The cold did it mean everything to you? 
Yeah, I know. I'd agree with what's being said, actually. I mean, it was a it was a weird game, wasn't it? Because, you know, they were so strong in the first half. We pulled it back very similar to, to I'm going to say the word, and I know what you two are going to say, but to, to Leicester. And Leicester. And uh, but then, you know, sucker punch at the end and we went away with nothing. And it, and it would have felt so different if we'd hung on. Possi- of course, if we'd won 3-2, that would have been amazing. But, you know, that that made it uh, feel a bit kind of odd, I think. Uh, but there was a lot of lot to be uh, encouraged by in the second half, I think. And do you think, Nicole, do you think Thomas Frank gambled for three points Okay, or, or do you think it was just one of them situations? Did he, do you think, because there's, there's an argument, I mean, I, I, listen, I'm not going to sit down there and say, oh, yeah, I know, right, because, I mean, I have to admit, when we were, I think even Laney might have said to me, you know, would you settle for a point now? And I just went, no, no, I want three points, because, you know, but as a fan, I wanted to beat Fulham. So when we were two all, I also felt that um, we were in the ascendancy, at, at, well, well, or, or before, as we were coming into Tool, I felt we we're in this ascendancy. And uh, so I was like, yes, I want us to win. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh no, Fulham have seemed to come back into the game. Can I have the draw oh, now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, but, I, th- um, I think you've got, you know, the, just the maths of it says that you've got to go for the win uh, and gamble. You know, the, the difference is two points rather than one. So it always makes sense to go for it. I thought Godos was a slightly odd sub to come on. Uh, you know that that was a bit of a uh, an eye opener, really. But I think that the principle of rolling the dice towards the end of a game uh, is the right one to do. You know, you might as well go for all three rather than settle for one. And and if it the one if you don't get the one point, then so be it. But you know, the the the, the prize is is worthwhile. I think so. You know, I think generally he's good at this he takes the risks the kind of risks that ferguson used to take at united and and rightly so i think uh, elaine i mean you're talking about sort of kind of um, maybe slightly larger people um and let's talk about mitro because mitro was a i'd say slightly large footballer i mean obviously he's a footballer so he's not large large but you know mitrovic was a very different Mitrovic than what we saw two or three years ago. And I know people that know Mitrovic as well, very well, um, from uh, the Serbian part of the world. And he's a player that, to be quite honest with you, I mean, he scores the goals in the championship. And from what I can gather, he has got quite a lax attitude to to life, you know, and he would go out with his people and he wouldn't necessarily, and this is, I'm I'm not trying to, allegedly, you know, um, have maybe the same kind of dietary kind of um, resilience that maybe some of our players might have and he'll go off and just do what he wants basically so um, you know when Mitro cup two or three seasons ago he was he was looking he, he wasn't looking nearly as fit and as trim as he is now and I thought that he I mean it was a, it was a nightmare because he was like he was running around finding pockets jumping around giving our defender, I mean, giving Pontus all sorts of problems. And I was kind of praying for Mitrovic for the last couple of seasons, really, you know, or the two, two or three seasons ago, weren't you, weren't you, Lady? Yeah, he's, he's obviously, you know, proven himself to be the player that, you know, he, he clearly has been. He had, a, he had a, you know, a really bad time in the last Premiership campaign with Fulham. He missed a lot of that. Um, he had an incredible season in the Championship. He's, 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 a, he's an absolute unit. He's, he's a nightmare to defend against. And we were dreading him getting that one chance. And, you know, it was just a kick in the nuts that he got it. 
in the last minute. We did okay-ish about him. With Sorry, we did okay-ish looking after him, but then Ray had, had pulled out a, a really great save um, like three or four minutes before he scored. Uh, he, he, had, he had one disallowed, did he not? Um, it, it, it was... It was a handful all afternoon, and he, he was kind of like an Ivan Tony kind of player. You know, that's that's what that's what our opponents have to look out for every game. Someone who's kind of like in their faces. He's he's, he's such a physical presence, and and he's clinical. So, yeah, we we knew what he was capable of, and he he underlined it. Yeah, and 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 I've got to ask a quick question before we go and listen to what the fans had to say straight after the match. I'm just wondering, right, okay, so listen, that, the, the game could have actually been, if you think about it, because listen, let's just remove ourselves from the scenario. It was actually a really good game and it could have been really brilliant because it could have gone either way. You know, you're 2-0 down, you know, and, and and then you flip it to come back to 2 all. And also before the game, they decided to put, you know, free from desire on the, on uh, you know, on the tannoy as well, which is only good for us because the one thing I would say, and I'm going to talk about the Fulham fans in a minute, is like we were just like, we were singing and we were having a right laugh before the game. And it was great. And it was almost like, you know, it's almost like they put Peter Gillum you know, in the Fulham box to play our music. And it all, you know, it all was perfect. We had a right good sing song. We had a good dance. And then we came at the game and it wasn't even a minute and we were a goal behind. And I'm just wondering whether or not, you know, the players were still in Man United mode, Man United celebration mode, because like literally that goal was the most ridiculously embarrassing goal to give away. It was pinging all over the place, wasn't it? And we were just, we literally were all over the place. It was just a poor, just a poorest start to the to the the game that there could have been. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, when they put the, the you know the, the gala track on, I thought that's the last thing you want to do, and it and it literally pumps the away end up. I thought the the Fulham support pretty much all afternoon was was awful. Um, it just shows you what a great thing we've got going on at the the G Tech or the new the 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 new Griffin Park. New Griffin Park. Um, it's it it. it you know, we, we've got we've got the atmosphere and we've got the intensity and we've got the team and uh, you know I have to I have to say uh, you know I do like Craven Cottage as a ground. It's, it's something there's something special about it, but the atmosphere is just it's just poor from the home support. You know, mm-hmm. so you know to give that goal away in the first couple of minutes it was just awful and just to be two down within eleven and you know you said you know should we you know well, I did say to you do you want to t- you know would you take a point now I, I at I would have taken the point because it at two 0 down it seemed such a long way away from getting a point out of that game. Once we got to the point, um, you know, and the, the disallowed goal, which you know, we, as another, we could speak an hour about that. You know, Tony's first goal, which he took brilliantly, his toenail was offside. Um, you know, once once we got once we actually got the equaliser, again that that I would have just. I would have pressed the stop button there and then just taken that point because that was incredible comeback. Um, and, uh, you know, the, as I said before, I was kicking the nuts to, to get the Mitrovic winner at the, at the death. That's right. So listen, we're going to go over to Craven Cottage where we were on Saturday where we were with the fans. We spoke to the fans. We actually stayed behind quite a long time after the game. And we were the last fans, actually, I think pretty much in the stadium where we spoke to fans, both Brentford fans and Fulham fans after the game oh my god you can't believe how they've ended up getting that on the second half well after their second goal actually in the first half we got a grip on the game started to take over uh, and did most of the game 
psychology kicks in, we get the equaliser, two all. And we start getting a bit nervy, a bit panicky. Not just the players, me as well, fans, we start getting a bit panicky. So gutted that it happened so late in the game that we had no chance to come back from it. But there you go, there you go. Real shame to lose it. We sort of we threw it away in the first 20 minutes, I think. Gave ourselves a mountain to climb. Looked like we got back, looked like we might have won it. But unfortunately, uh, they've... Uh, yeah, Mitrovic had to be, didn't it? Oh, taking off Wiesa, bringing on Godos, I didn't quite get that change. We we seemed to be really threatening when we had Tony sort of winning headers, holding it up, and then loads of pace in behind with Wiesa. Uh, I mean, Godos, not the same sort of player, and we just seemed to lose that, I think. Lost a bit of momentum, I don't know. But uh, they got a bit lucky as well. It's not as though they were sort of knocking down the door, were they? Uh, they just got a chance and took it, so... I wasn't happy that even Tony went down. He should have stayed on his feet and took the shot. The other one was the first half. They allowed Mitrovic to have the ball at his feet with no one up his ass, And that's where the two goals come from every time. Then the third goal was just us rushing. You've got to go for the win. I'm happy for that. But to be honest, they rushed the ball out of the box from Raya. They nicked the ball, pushed it wide, Mitrovic at the back post. So you've got ourselves to blame probably for all three goals. But the one where Tony went down... Where he went down, he's four or five yards from goal to try and get a penalty. That was a decision. If he had banged that shot in, far corner, it's a different game, isn't it? It's them big game, big decisions, big elements in big games, mate. And that was it. Uh, the 85th minute, we decided to go for a draw. We sat back there, you know, KLP sat back, and we thought, let, let, let's settle for a draw here. And, and that's exactly what happened. The Mitchell's come on and had that header in the last sort of fight, you know, last minute of the game there and I thought that's exactly what happened is we sat back, let's have a draw here and, and that, that's what happens. Two great managers actually. I thought, you know, um, Silva clearly um, took it, took the game to us in the first half and shocked us. We should have been ready for that. Well, I guess we had questioned whether we should have lined up as 5-3-2 like we did against United. We didn't, we were 4-3-3. So fair play Silva. I thought we came back in the second half, well, we came back at the end of the first half of course and that changed the game. And then Thomas, Thomas, um, his substitutions in the second half were good. We got ourselves back into the game and then fair play Silver. I think those two substitutions at the end probably just changed the flow of the game. And Mitrovic, I don't know what that XG was at the end there, but maybe a 5% chance he stuck it in. So a great game for, for everyone, I think. After that, you know, we were saying, I'll take a draw. And you could feel there was a winner in it. Could have been ours as much as theirs. But a good day's entertainment at the end of the day. You know, we're four points. You know, um, we're looking solid. Uh, I liked some of the new boys. You know, Lewis Potter looked really tidy coming on. Um, very nimble feet. Uh, and and I'm, I'm optimistic for the season. You know, goal is to stay up, and I think we're going to. started off with an odd formation, as we did at Leicester, and we were playing catch-up from 2-0 down. We got to 2-0 down. We were playing all right. It was all us in the second half, but everybody around me just saying, don't let them stand the ball up for Mitrovic at the far post. And we fell asleep lost our concentration and paid the price for it but on the optimistic side we played so well in that second half we were saying to ourselves that we had to hang on for the first 15 minutes in the second half if we could keep you out for those first 15 minutes we might m maintain the lead and you equalise couldn't believe it couldn't believe it but you deserved it you deserved it you, you were finding your players all your passing game was perfect in the second half I'll tell you what I'll tell you what neither of them two teams will go down not playing like that they won't both them teams will stay up. We've come off a really, hopefully a really good start, yeah? Like, draw, beat, smashing United. We're a world news. So, four points after two games is a great start for the Premier League, right? So, but that works in two ways. Like, for me, 
Listen, we all love the United win. Amazing. For me, the Fulham game was the game. I wanted us to turn up today and really be up for it. And it felt that, listen, when they score in 60 seconds, it shows that everyone up for it than we were. And I thought the first 20 minutes proves that they wanted to win more than we do. And you know, very rarely in the last 10 years have we said that against Fulham. We've always arrived hungrier, more up for it, bang up for the game. Today was the exception. That wasn't the case. They, were, they for the first 20 minutes, dominated us. They come at us double, double hard, and you know it was two 0 And I actually thought they went easy on us because at half time, after two, they should have put the knee down. They didn't. They started defending. I don't know why because they could have had a third and let us in the game. But yeah, mate, it's, it's, it's a strange one today. Um, this point, of course, I thought we'd done ourselves all right, but yeah, the uh, Fulham wanted it more, and that isn't the thing you say very often when it comes to Brentford and Fulham. So there you go, the Bees fans and Fulham fans after the game. I have to say, actually, I'm going to mention this point now. This is obviously the first time that we've played. We were were meant to play Fulham um, on the day that basically football stopped. And I remember that very, very clearly. I had a ticket with my daughter and her mate and we were going to go down to Craven Cottage. It was a Friday night. I was waiting to pick her up from school and then we were ready to go down. And then all of a sudden I've got a phone call saying the match is on and I was gutted. And we had, there was only 2000 tickets then that we had as well. So as tickets were like, you know, rocking all shit like they were for the last game as well. So I was so pleased to go down there with the daughter and stuff like that, you know, to go down there as well. And I remember that that season, because they were doing the works on that massive stand that they're going to struggle to fill at Fulham. That, um, not being childish, but I think it's true. Um, that, um, that, that the, the behind the goal was normally, like I said to you, the first time we went down to Craven Cottage in recent years, when we went down there for the 4-1, um, just in the Warburton years, and we got, got 7,000 tickets, and we literally took the whole end, and we really did take the piss that year, and it was brilliant, you know what I'm saying? And so you sort of think, this is fantastic, we've got the whole end, but now they've restricted it, whereas you've only got like half that end, and then they put the Fulham fans on the other half to you as well, so you've basically got two fans in the same end. But the weird thing about it is that as you come out of the game, basically come out Brentford fans and Fulham fans come out the same entrance and go out the same way and you're basically sharing the same concourse and I thought that was really bizarre didn't you lady yes um there's always something really odd about that end it's 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 uh, a strange sort of semi-permanent kind of Meccano affair that's been poshed up a bit so from the outside you know looking at it it looks like a normal stand but it's far from a normal stand is scaffolding and all sorts it's like it's like it's like a posh Gillingham away end isn't it yeah it's like a clad Gillingham and uh you know yeah walking into that to that uh to the away end and everyone milling around and kind of mixing it's just it's just very it's really odd um and then walking out everyone together and then kind of splitting up you know you're you're taking you're taking like a lot of uh you're taking good behavior for granted there i know there's a lot of police (laughs) about but you know you walk straight out into you know a a, a mix of uh away and home fans and you know especially on on a on a kind of a heightened uh game like Saturdays it's it's got the, the potential for for it getting a little bit uh wrong is is quite high I'd say yeah coming back to the fans thing as well I mean again we can talk about this now and I'm seriously we're not talking about it because we, we again I keep coming back to that Man United podcast who I think were really bitter and they said some things which were slightly bitter and we didn't agree with them um we don't want to come across like that but what I will say is that you know I sat down you know, I sat down, stood up and I, I looked around me where, as I said to you, I think, you know, first of all, I said to you, Fulham, I do think 
have a nice stadium. Um, I mean, they've got that new big new stand on the right hand side, which hasn't been filled as yet, which I've bit of a question mark about you know and i think that's the sand the riverside sand where season tickets are a thousand pounds and the season tickets are a thousand pounds they did have people sitting in the bottom of the riverside stand who didn't get up or didn't really sing at all i'm not surprised because if they paid a thousand pounds they want to make the most of that comfy seat that they're sitting on like you know but i looked at when we were when they went ahead and they were winning and I just thought the thing is they, they don't actually really sing and the whole stadium is sitting. And I know like a lot of people say, well, that's what you meant to do at a stadium. And they just had a little band of fans at the back who stood right at the back of the other stand. But everywhere else was sort of static and they didn't have that kind of pottiness of kind of getting the team going and going on for it. It's just it's a really different way to enjoy your football. And also the one thing I say, and I'm not talking, kind of giving them sort of words of what they should do, obviously, you know, we played and played them for years and then they came down to our ground. They went one nil up and then we went one all and then, you know, Hotter scored in the last minute and spontaneously the song was Hotter in the last minute. We kept singing that, kept singing that the whole time. And then, you know, we were saying when we went down there, they scored a goal in the last minute. Now, surely if Brentford had been taking the piss out of you for the last eight years about scoring a goal in the last minute with your key player, I'm sure they should have been flipping that on their head on us. But it just it just didn't come because it's this is just a different vibe, isn't it? Yeah, no, I agree. You know, there's something special that we've got going on and maybe Fulham are, you know, more used to top flight football. I don't know. But uh, yeah, there's, you know, the, the atmosphere at New Griffin Park is pretty special these days and obviously was at Griffin Park as well. Yeah. OK, so coming back to the game, the cog. Um, first off, <laughs> we were really bad we were rubbish and Fulham were all over us and I say fair play to them we got a I wouldn't say fortuitous goal because when I saw it back on the TV I thought oh god blimey that was a brilliant goal that was Snorgaard scored a fantastic goal brought us back into the game last thing Fulham wanted because it was dead on half time and then the second half we really went at them and I thought Fulham were struggling they were that whole thing that they had where they kind of managed to get onto the ball and wouldn't allow us to get onto the ball. We were like passing the ball around and they, they were struggling and, and you could feel that the game was ebbing away from them, you know? So we kind of came back to, you know, to tool in the end, but we also had, as Laney said, a couple of goals. I think it was two goals disallowed by Ivan Tony. Now, one goal in particular, because even at the time it was ruled off offside and we've seen the offside decision that was given and I don't want to be sitting there talking about VAR and offside decision because everyone kind of does that. But you just kind of ask yourself, what's the point? And I know there's an article written by Namoni as well, who just talked about the VAR and the offside and, you know, and, 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 and these decisions that, listen, they go against you on both ways. But, I mean, the way that Ivan Tony scored, oh, I can't remember which one it was, in, but, but he scored a goal which was disallowed. It was a brilliant goal that he scored. Obviously didn't count. And if those goals counted, it would have been a different situation altogether. But these things, sometimes you could ignore them. But sometimes you say, forget about being full and everything like that. It's kind of like there's got to be some sort of leeway because it's technically, yes, it may be because it's a it's a, a minuscule millimetre over the line. But it's obviously not affecting the game. And surely these decisions should affect the game. And I thought they were going to change that in it, the cog. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that we we definitely need VAR. And I know it slows things down at times, but it gets rid of bad decisions and it gets rid of 
pressure that some of the officials are under, particularly from home fans. So I think it, you know, the, the, the spirit of it, I think, is that it's meant to, you know, stop kind of injustice. When you've got a striker level with a defender as Tony was in, you know, pr from pretty much any any angle, I think that you let those go, you know, and it's meant to be there, as I understand it, to prevent really poor decisions, real errors when the ref's been unsighted or, uh, you know, where he's just got something wrong. You know, th that wasn't a wrong decision. It was so marginal that it was ludicrous. And uh, again, I just think we all need to be a bit clearer about what, the, what VAR is actually there for. Uh, I mean, it's still relatively early. You know, you look at sports like cricket and rugby, they've kind of been living with it for a long time. So they've got a much better handle on what its purpose is, how to interpret it, etc. But uh, yeah, that was one of those decisions that I thought shouldn't have been overturned, you know, fairly clearly, I think. There's been one or two of them recently. I think in general, it's heading in the right direction, actually. You know, there's... Loot, there's been some ludicrous periods where VAR is just, you know, not added to the game at all and actually detracted from it. Uh, and I just hope we're not going to revert back to that because generally VAR is being applied uh, more sensibly as we move on, I think. I'm not even sure. sure. I'm not even sure that the, you know, how, how do they know the accuracy of when the actual ball left the foot of the, the person that was making the pass? I mean, how, how accurate is that? You know, you know, they're saying that that's when the that's when the ball was played. Tony was a toenail offside. Is 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 that is is the accuracy of the 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 point two of a millimetre as the ball leaves the, the foot of whoever played the ball in? I'm not. You know, is that is that cast iron? Is is that is that a million percent accurate? So we're, we're you know we're we're assuming. That that's when the ball was played, but mm. did we was was that really when the ball was played? I, you know, I, I think there's a lot of there's there's only we're we're assuming a lot of about the the, the accuracy of the first part of the equation, um, and then just looking at when that where the you know a line that's been drawn by someone. Well, was that was, that that line? What does it actually mean? You know, that, that's my that's my that's my problem with it. Is I I just don't. We, do we ever see? We don't see the other picture, do we? We don't see a picture, a snapshot that's taken within a, a, a thousandth of a second of the ball leaving someone's foot. We need to see both of those those photographs before we can know whether there's, you know, there's a true, there's any justice being made. Yeah. Mm. Right. Just giving you a lowdown on the match, just quickly, Fulham. Uh, and they constitute their value for their money. They created a high number of chances relative to their possession. They also created goal-scoring opportunities from the flanks and also from set pieces. They were caught offside quite often as well. As for the Bs, you know, we effectively creating goal-scoring opportunities from set pieces, which is pretty much that as it. We caught offside often as well. Um, Fulham went down the middle as well, and they had like high shot frequency when they were in possession, and basically they liked to cross the ball. They, they knew that was our Achilles heel, so that's what they did. We went attacked down the left, 
and through the middle and we like the long balls as well and uh yeah we favored our long our through balls as well um you know talking about players i mean i thought Pereira had a, had a brilliant game for fulham as well and i was like oh no like you know uh Paulini as well had a good game as well but ivan tony is probably at top of the pile for the bees as well and besotted global um we ran our management man of the match we do our man of the match every week goes out to our besotted global crew and other people out there who can vote on the man of the match and it was ivan tony who came in at number one besotted global man of the match with raya number two and norgard number three thank you mr the genford over the tasmanian b out there who's been doing his mathematics and working all this stuff out and doing it for us so big respect to you as well so yeah so but um from the brentford point of view i mean ivan tony he you know he looks like he's got the bit between his teeth doesn't he the cog yeah he does and he was <clears throat> really influential last night as well actually at colchester i thought he when he came on he just uh you know he was a calming influence you can see his quality in both boxes he just kind of uh was on a slightly different level to all of the other players on the pitch and uh yeah he's made a good start to the season and uh i think if you look i was reading some stat that if you look at the last 14 games i think across the end of last season the start of this he's he's been involved in like 11 or 12 goals or something so he's really productive at the moment and uh you know that's that's a really good sign i think do you think he's playing for a move then the cog I, ho- I hope not. I mean, there's not much time, not much time left for him to do so. So, I hope not. I mean, I'm hoping that he will see quality coming in. You know, I'm hoping he's buying into what the club's trying to trying to do and wants to be a part of that. But uh, you know, we know that he's yeah. he's capable of having his head turned, and uh, so you know, I wouldn't count any chickens, but. If he stays, I think he's going to have a really good season for us. That's, that's right. And there's a few, again, new rumours. I think it's on the BBC site as well saying, you know, a few clubs, including Chelsea, and I can't remember the other two clubs, probably Newcastle or somebody else like that, you know, are looking to make a move for Ivan Tony. And £60 million was quoted. As far as I'm concerned, like I say to you, I believe until they put money on the table and the clubs have rejected it, then it doesn't really matter what they're going to say. And I spoke to my Chelsea uh, mate about it, who's, you know, very, he's very bullish about Chelsea and he just went oh if he comes to Chelsea they'll turn him to crap like they've done with all the other players that we've bought so he's uh he's not very uh complimentary about his his own side at the moment now but then they did lose to Leeds and uh talk about that Leeds score as well I will say that I think it's we can't moan about that Chelsea score um the Leeds scored against Chelsea because it is all our fault because if we'd actually uh, beaten Leeds on the last <laughs> day of the season they would have got relegated and we wouldn't uh, it wouldn't even be an issue so uh just quickly XG wise on the match against um uh Fulham uh, Fulham got 2.8 three they got nearly three xg i mean they've got loads of massive bubbles probably most of them in the first half as well there's a couple in the second half but they 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 were all over us um they created a lot of chances uh we've got sort of two or three big bubbles in the in in, in the area as well which means that we created big chance opportunities as well including the goals as well we've got a lot of smaller ones as well i think we were quite clinical when the, the chances that we did get and obviously we had a couple of chances that were ruled out which i'm not quite sure count on the xg chart so um i think there's a lesson learned in there thomas frank was gutted we didn't get a result but he said that he was very pleased about certain aspects of the game which obviously means maybe how he played in the second half so hopefully he's going to take that forward to uh to next uh week um but anyway i tell you what i'm gonna do i'm gonna go away and i'm gonna have a little drink and then jb is gonna give you some facts and funk then we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about colchester are you ready for this 
Hello, Jonathan Birchall here again. On balance, our away record at Fulham is still favourable, with just two defeats in our last 20 League and Cup visits. Although we came away from Saturday without any points, we did take our tally of goals scored to eight, with just Arsenal and Manchester City having scored more. It's only the fifth time in the last 50 years that we've been so prolific in front of goal in the opening three fixtures. Our trip to Colchester was the first time since the League Cup started in 1960 that we were a top-tier side visiting a fourth-tier side. Only once were we a fourth-tier side hosting a top-tier side in a straight knockout match as opposed to two legs, and that was 60 years ago when we lost 4-1 to Sheffield United at Griffin Park. And Thomas Frank set another club record as the first manager or head coach to take us into the third round for a third time. We now go into our fourth league game, although in the recent past it's a fixture where we've taken just two points from a possible 24. The last win was when Uwe Rossler's Bees beat Dean Smith's Walsall 1-0 thanks to a Clayton Donaldson winner back in 2013. So Laney, up for the cup, are you? Yeah, I am up for the cup. I mean, you know, I think Thomas Frank he's he's done us he's done us proud the last last few years and the players have as well. I mean, obviously coming in not at the first round means, you know, there's one banana skin um opportunity avoided. But then, you know, um going away to Colchester is 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 never to be taken lightly. You know, we went there last time we went there, we just clinched our promotion to the championship and we got we got done over four one. <laughs> no, it, was, right. it was an incre- it was an incredible day, but you know it's, it's an incredibly crap place to go to watch football. You know, it, I, my 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 memories of Layer Road are always uh, tainted by us losing six one there on my I think it was six 0 or six one first time I visited there. Um, and that wouldn't uh, stand behind the goal, wouldn't it? Wouldn't, wouldn't stand. stand. Behind the goal. Yeah, um, I think I got. Um, I didn't see that game. I got into the ground, but I I I I, I kind of didn't see the whole game. I went. That's all I can say. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. So uh, yeah. So. Colchester has not been, you know, a, a happy. I know mean, we have seen, we have one there, but it's, it's just it, a new stadium is just shocking, isn't it? It's you know, it's, yeah, it's, out, it's out out of town. It's right next to the A10 or whatever it is, or A11 or whatever, and it's just it's just awful. Um, they they swapped out one crap ground for another crap ground, and you know, I feel I feel sorry for them because that's you know that's that's where they're at. But uh, but going there going there last night. Um, quality showed in the end um we put out a team that was lighter but still strong enough and damn god making his debut and, and things like that and klp scoring for us it was a lot of positive to be taken out of that and we look forward to the draw tonight the, the cog i mean game like the culture's the game the thing about it i said with these cup games i think what you do is that first of all you use it to look at players who are coming through who potentially may be inside uh may, may be coming up into the first team as well and you know you like i said to you just look at it from a different angle so it's a bit difficult because as a fan you you know you want to you know you want to play these cup games you want to win these cup games but at the same time you also know there's a lot of experimentation going on now Thomas Frank has obviously got to balance up the two because obviously he wants the experimentation, but he wants to win because it's now well-known fact that Thomas Frank says that he wants to win the League Cup this year. He feels that this is the year that we've got to go and win something because we're in the Premier League and he thinks that this is a cup that we can go and win. So he's obviously set up that team for us to go and win. And you can see he's put Tony, um, Ivan Tony on the bench. You know, he, he basically, you know, he, he put out a, a reasonably strong bench if we needed to call upon it, like, you know. Now, overall... 
the bees kind of did well in the game, but they didn't have the rule of the roost, did they? No, they didn't. And, uh, you know, at times we were really uh, under the cosh, actually. You know, that they uh, missed a few fairly easy chances. We, we looked vulnerable once again from corners in particular. Uh, and I, I think it's, it's partly a fact that, you know, you've got some new players playing alongside uh, some more established players, but a lot of them won't have played a, a proper competitive A-team game, if you like, uh, together before, and, and it showed. Uh, but it was, uh, you know, you're, you're right, in the end, quality did kind of shine through. First goal was a real highlight, you know, beautiful ball from... Baptiste uh, yeah. through to uh, uh, Lewis Potter. That was a superb goal. And, uh, you know, there's some good performances. I thought Baptiste looked good. I thought Lewis Potter looked sharp. Uh, it was great to see Damsgaard for the first time. And uh, really encouraging to see Zanka come back and, and get, a, get a game under his belt. Uh, so it was, yeah, it was a little bit of a non-event, really. Uh, the ground was half empty, and I agree with everything Laney's just said about <laughs> where, where the ground is. It's, it's, you know, it's not, it's, it's not my idea of a good uh, location for football ground at all. Uh, but we got the job done. Uh, I think the, the, the on the downside, uh, you know, there were a couple of injuries. The Roslev one looked uh, as though it was possibly quite serious. Lewis Potter limped off as well. And there were some quite naughty tackles going in, you know, really, really late uh, from Colchester, which the ref did not clamp down on. So uh, Baptiste was getting, you know, a lot of treatment as well. And that was that was a bit worrying, really. You know, you could, I don't know how bad the Roslev one is, but I'd be very surprised if he's able to to play at the weekend or even, even at Palace. So that was uh, probably one of the, uh, the, the downsides of the evening. Another shaky performance from Mads Beck, I thought, and Thomas, uh, the tank, you know, he, he he's not at the moment looking at the level that he needs to be at if he's going to genuinely challenge for a first-team place. Uh, we, did, we did look better when some of the big guns came on. Josh brought his quality to the game as usual. Uh, like I've said, I've, Ivan Tony I thought was superb when he came on and, and Visa uh, added something as well. So I think overall it was... You know, it wasn't much of a uh, an enjoyable football experience, but it's quite interesting <laughs> and uh, good to see some of the newer players, some of the the the, the more fringe players getting outing. Uh, I thought uh, it was one of the first times I've seen him actually for the 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 uh, the, the, the first team. Uh, but uh, you know, I thought that Finn Stevens had a really good game. He's playing on the left. Uh, left side of the defence and he tried a couple of uh, switches one of which came off beautifully the other one didn't quite reach his man but you could see a player there with real vision and real promise uh, so that was good to see him in the flesh rather than on the bench he seemed to have been an unused sub on so many occasions last season it was really good to see him get 
uh, the, 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 the best part of 90 minutes. You've summed and it up really well, mate. I, while, while you're on a flow, I mean, the one thing that really wound me up was the referee's uh, reaction to Rosveth. Um, it, it kind of trying to get him off the pitch when he was, he was clearly you know, in discomfort. Yeah. Yeah. Can you can you? Because we talked about that on you know on, on on socials later on in the day as well. You got quite vexed about that. Can you kind of sum that up as well? Yeah. I mean, he was, you know, just didn't seem to have an appreciation of how much pain Roslev was in, and he was just trying to get him off the pitch, get the game moving again. And you could see that it was a bad injury, uh, and that was yeah, that was really disappointing. And. I don't know who the ref was, but you could see that, uh, you know, if he was a lower league ref, then that wouldn't surprise me at all. And, it, it you know, it, I was casting my mind back to Premier, Premier League games when the, the ref, you know, could be really quite influential in the way that a game goes. And he just didn't establish control from the first minute. It was letting stuff go and it was really dangerous at times. Yeah, and 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 talking about, I mean, you talked about Mads Bexorison, who you said didn't have a have a have a great game. I mean, we talk about aerial domination, which again, you know, you've got the question marks as to, you know, how much can we dominate in the air? You know, Stracosa, the our goalkeeper, who's our sub goalkeeper as well, was a little bit dodgy at coming to crosses. But Mads Beck, to be fair to him, he actually when you're talking about playing the ball out, he actually played a couple of really good balls. You know, one of them to um, uh, one of them to Baptiste, and I think of them. Oh, it might have been both to Baptiste as well, or maybe one of them is to uh, Keen Lewis Potter as well. He played some really incisive balls forward, actually, which actually kind of started an attack play, didn't he? That is true. Yeah, and I don't want to say that he was disastrous because he wasn't. I think there was just some of the, you know, some of you know, he did play a couple of very good through balls. I think it's just some of the failings that we've seen him, which worry me towards the end of last season, the start of this season, were coming back, just looking unsure of where he should be, losing his man and looking kind of quite immobile, really. Uh, you know, I, I, I think he has, I think his performance levels have fallen off. And I wonder mm. whether, you know, this is to do with the injury that he had last season. Uh, but he looked to me uh, a better player before the injury than he he has done since. And I hope that's just a temporary thing. But at the moment, I would really worry about him starting in the Premier League. I just don't think he's an option to, to do so, unfortunately. OK, and I'm going to ask you also, I mean, Ivan Tony. how do you think Ivan Tony feels? I mean, he touched that ball. And he thought this is going in the back of the net, and I've got another goal notched up on my on my goal sheet card. And then he turned around and he basically sort of called it cannoned off Mad Speck and got in the back of the net. And basically, Mad Speck did probably didn't even know it scored it himself, didn't he? And, uh, but they saw, you saw the reaction of Ivan Tony after that when he saw that Mad Speck had basically nicked his goal, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, fair play. I mean, I, I think you know he's got an assist there, hasn't he? <laughs> he, he did. He looked really embarrassed, didn't he? Like, he, looked like he, he looked like he was going to get a, a kick in after the game, yeah, just yeah. to get in the way. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. Last thing I'm going to just talk about this game. It just goes to show you, and, and this game I think is a real kind of, um, you know. It encompasses where we've come from. Colchester is a team that basically we used to go and visit all the time. The amount of fans out there that would say, oh, I've been to Colchester, I've been to Layer Road, I've been to this, I've been to go see them play. Like I said to you, they were the team that we went to visit when we 
got promoted. We were already promoted last, I think, away game of the season. We went to Colchester, got smashed up 4-1. And it just reminded us of being in that division. There's nothing... I, I still love going to those places. I do really miss going to those places. But just coming back to players out there, there was a player on that pitch and he was playing for Colchester. And I went, oh, blimey. He was like the, a player who played for us when we first started the sort of Benham revolution. John Akinde. Remember John Akinde? Um, he was a striker at the time. We were sort of in the third division and he was knocking and he was scoring goals for fun, if I remember rightly. Well, actually, no, he wasn't. He was playing for Wickham alone and he hadn't scored mm. many. But before that, he was in the non-league. I think up Websley and Margate. And then he went to Bristol City. But it was like, oh, John Akinde, I think he's a, you know, he's a really great player. We should really get him. I think we got him in on loan for two games. Whenever we played against uh, Wickham Wanderers and I think he scored now zero goals for us. But he... He, he reminds me of that era, which was 2010, which he came to Brentford, played for us in a time when we had no idea about um, Premier League, that we're going to be in the Premier League and we were playing Colchester. And now he's, you know, we played Colchester with Akinde, who was at the beginning of the Benham revolution, Laney. Yeah, a good lower league journeyman striker. Yeah, that, that, you know, he's had, a, he's had a really good career, he's scored a decent amount of goals. He's, you know, he's always been... Uh, able to find the next club that's that's always a sign of a good striker there's always someone looking to take you on um it obviously you know wasn't one for us um but there probably was a time where he certainly was uh yeah it's just it, i mean it really does show show you how far we've come and you know you it's we have to keep pinching ourselves and reminding ourselves that we can't take this for granted but you know we have to be confident the squad that we've got now is is it's not only equipped to go really long in this in this Carabao cup again um it's it's you know it's it's equipped to to really push for you know a top half premiership finish as well so we just but we just need to you know that's why again it just losing on saturday to be un, to be unbeaten would have been kind of like a, a real a real cherry on the cake because it's been a it's been a you know we've, we've scored lots of goals at the beginning of the season um and it's you know to to, to have a point from saturday i think was something that you know something we, we gave up um we lost at the end okay and just finally um league cup because we are up for the cup who would you like in the third round? Personally, I'll go for, once again, uh, a third tier team uh, at home. You know, we, we had uh, we had the um, Forest Green Rovers and Oldham uh, at home in those, in those sort of second and third rounds last year. We, we smashed Oldham seven, didn't we, when um, we had that Wiesa brilliant overhead kick. Um, so there's, there's, there's lots of positives for having home games where we can get minutes and get on the front foot and not have you know those horrendous tackles coming in from those away games I think at home on our own patch playing our own football we need to get minutes you know uh, you know there's lots of lots of plus points for for the Premier League so someone 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 poor at home I'd say the cog yeah I totally agree nothing haven't got anything different to say nice easy so, game at home I'll come back. Just give us, a, give us a team then, both of you. Uh, not sure. Laney. Not sure. Who's doing it. Um, Crawley. Crawley. Uh, Laney. And then, and Cog, the Cog. Uh, uh, QPR. Ooh, they're, they're, out. they're out. They're out. They're out. I can see that. Basically, you just don't, you know, just don't care, do you? You know what I'm saying? You just don't yeah. make it anything. Just ask. He's just proved my point then. from earlier. He's not paid any attention to the lower leagues. 
That's right. For me, actually, I don't even know if they're in it because I haven't checked the results or maybe they're playing tonight. And this is a dangerous one, actually, because they're doing very well at the top of the second division or division two. I would actually quite like Leighton Orient because of that old beef that we had with them because it might actually be a bit of a sort of a stickler game and they'll bring quite a few fans down as well. So that could be quite a quite a juicy one. The last time we played them is when we got uh, the boat down from Kew Bridge down to East London and they just gave us half their ground and we beat them 1-0 and got promoted and we they hated us and uh, we haven't played them since. So I think it's time that we, we meet Orient again. Would you like that, Laney? Yep. Yeah, I, I, yeah, a local derby is always good. You know, it's um, yeah, there's something about it. But I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I'm really not bothered if I'm honest with you. Just, just, just someone we can get past without too much of a um, sweat. Um, but yes. someone, someone we can really set ourselves up and use it as a kind of like a, a real attack versus defence kind of uh, scenario. Okay, and talking about attack versus defence, hopefully our attack will be attacking. Everton's defence on Saturday as they come down to New Griffin Park. I'm going to go off, get myself another drink. I'm sure Laney and the Cog will too. And we'll come back and we'll talk about the Everton game. Saturday, Everton come down to our manor. Like I said to you, second time in a couple of years. And before that, they came 10 years ago or 11 years ago. And then before that, I've got no idea the last time that Everton come down. So they're not frequent visitors to our manor. Um, so we welcome them and hopefully we can come down, they can drink in our boozers in Brentford and in Kew and then they can go home very sad. <laughs> no, he says that. No, actually, no, but let's, let's be realistic about this now. Everton, they didn't have a brilliant season last season, but they do have players of quality. I mean, I know we're going to hear from Connor from the Toffee Blues podcast as well, who's a little bit nervous about them this season. But the fact is, it's kind of like... It's not necessarily a case that you haven't got decent players. It's a case of like bringing the jigsaw together and bringing the pieces together and actually, you know, making it all kind of work. And that may be the issue with Everton. In it, the cog. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it could be quite a good time to play them. Uh, there's a lot of uh, discussion about Gordon and is he going to go off to Chelsea or somewhere similar, which I think would be a disastrous move for him actually, but. You know, I, I thought in the games last season he was their, really was their standout player. They, they've lost uh, Richarlison, so that surly cheat has gone off to sit on the bench at Spurs, <laughs> which is great. Uh, and Calvert Lewin is injured, so I think that uh, you know this is a good time to play them. And you've, we've got to rate them as one of the poorest sides in the league. We saw that last season. I, I haven't seen any sign of improvement for them. So this is a game that we really have to look to win, I think. That's right. Um, listen, we, we, we could talk Everton all we want, but I'll tell you what's going to be easier, actually. Let's go up to Everton. Let's talk to Connor from the Toffee Blues Everton podcast, and then we can come back and then we can talk about Everton. This is Connor from Toffee Blues podcast. <laughs> Hi, my name's Connor Williams and I am a presenter for the Toffee Blues YouTube channel. It's an Everton fan channel um, and we're just I'm just speaking about how Everton will go on this season. Um, I, think, I think it's going to be another tough season for us in complete honesty. I think we're going to struggle again. Uh, it's not going to be very fun to watch, but I guess that's football, isn't it? You know how it goes. Um, 
yeah, last season was really, really tough for us. Like I just said, um, I think this season will follow it, but really, really tough. Uh, you had the Rafa Benitez appointment, which was never a good idea. Fans could never get on board with that. Um, dire football under him. A dire summer of no spending as well leading into it. Um, had to sell the likes of Luca Dean, let James Rodriguez go. Some of the players that were our luxury players, if you will, are pretty players good on the ball uh, our creative players and then un- uh, mainly reportedly due to the manager as well Luca Dean apparently leaving because he was unhappy with the way the manager was setting up his, his style of football which was defensive and horrible to watch um, so obviously we sold him then we sacked him got Frank Lampard who's still a novice I'm not completely sold on Frank Lampard as a manager still a novice on it um, didn't really have the experience for a relegation battle and was sort of chucked into it it looked touch and go for even at any point I thought we you know we could fall into it um, and then there were pits where I thought we'd do alright but then we dropped really into it and obviously Crystal Palace the second to last game of the season last home game really pulled it out there to win that had to win that because we had Arsenal next away, um, who we lost, I think, 5-0 to. Um, but you could argue there was literally nothing in it then, but you don't want to go to that type of game needing something either. So, yeah, it was a really, really poor season. One of the worst seasons I've in my lifetime sporting Everton. It's an easy like one out of ten, two out of ten. I can't even see. The only positive is that we stayed up, um, which is a horrible positive, um, really. Like, don't get me wrong, it could be worse. Uh, probably a two, because a one would be if we'd went down. So maybe a two. Um, but yeah, really, really, really shocking. Um, as for this season, I think we're still going to be in a tough one. Uh, looking at the pre-season games and the games we played already in the Premier League, we lack a lot of creativity. Um Again, don't have a striker. Solomon Rondon's our only striker because Dominic Calvert-Lewin's injured. We're missing chances that a good striker finishes. Um, two weeks, as of recording this, left of, no, a week, sorry, left of the window. Needs to be a big window. We brought in McNeil. Um, we brought in Vinagre on loan. Connor Cody got James Tarkowski on a free, um, which were all case signings. Um, but I feel like without a dominant striker you're just putting pieces you know square pieces in circle holes need somebody for McNeil he's a great crosser that's what he's more renowned for and we've got nobody for him to cross to till Dominic Calvert-Lewin's back Um, but now Grace purely a backup James Tarkowski is a good acquisition so is Connor Cody on loan they're quite sensible Onana looks to be a good player but um, he's still very raw and young so there's a lot for him to come in Um, but he's an exciting player he's absolutely fantastic can play as a 6 or an 8 very dynamic lovely fella as well his interview was really good he said he plays piano he can sing Um, yeah really good player but again you've got to give young players time to sort of gel you can't just throw them in um, but yeah, I'd, I'd probably say right until we maybe buy a striker because they're strikers and everybody loves a striker. Onan is probably the one I'm most excited about. Um, I just think he's got a lot of potential and he's so dynamic. He just looks like, and he has a great attitude for a 20 year old, 21 year old. His interview, he was so down to earth. Really nice lad, um, or came across as a really lovely lad. So he's probably the most excited uh, that we signed, and I hope all the best for him. Um, but yeah, last season, though, like I said, um, Frank Lampard saved us, um, which was great. Don't get me wrong; I'm not going to say I'm not happy, but I think 
he struggled it's a, something he's not had to deal with before now it's just the question is where do we finish now do we finish with him saving us again or does is he what we need to get to the next level I don't know, like I said, he's still a novice. I still think he's very young in it. He's trying to put his identity on us with a three slash five back. I personally, and a lot of Everton fans, don't like it. Don't think it works. Don't think we've got the squad for it. He's insisting on it, though. Um, it's a little bit tough, though. I will say this for Frank Lampard. I don't think he's got all the pieces to his puzzle yet. And he's he's now at the point now he's like, well, I've got eight of the ten pieces, seven of the ten pieces, so I'll play it anyway. And unfortunately, we don't have a good enough squad and the players aren't good enough to fill in for a lack of a striker. We're not Manchester City where the wingers can play as a false nine and everybody's got a goal in them. And we're not Liverpool where the wingers have got goals more than the striker, so you can afford to do that. We need somebody to get our goals and they're not the wingers, they're not that type of player. Um, Damari Gray is probably our most goal-scoring winger um, who can chip in. I do like Damari Gray. He's um, got a great bit of pace about him. Um, but he's probably the only one because we've lost Richarlison um, which is a big big loss and then not just that but we could lose Anthony Gordon as well as I think Chelsea are offering 60 odd million for him I'm more gutted about the Richarlison one in hindsight I wish we could have just sold Gordon instead and kept Richarlison because he provides at least like 10 goals a season for us Gordon has produced 4 does make me worry about depth to our squad the front three if they get injured we're gonna have to stick a youth kid in um a youth candidate because we don't have the depth it's mcneil gray and gordon take gordon out maybe when townsend's back he goes back in there that's how bleak it is i'm on about sticking and andros townsend who's coming back from a cruciate ligament and is about i think he might be in his 30s now um 33 sticking him in there um as a regular as well because that's how lack of depth it is so i'm a bit worried um that an injury up there would absolutely ruin us, a bit like Dominic Calvert-Lewin's is right now. Um, I'm just hoping last week we, there's still plenty to be done at Everton. I'm hoping the club know that and that club can get it done. Don't like leaving it till the last week. I don't like leaving it till the last day. I think you end up getting ripped off because everybody knows what you're looking for and you're that desperate you'll pay the price. Um, it's like a convenience store. They can charge what they like because they know you're going to pay for it. So, yeah, it's a bit of a tough one. Um moving there um and but that that probably means we're going to play with the same squad unless gordon goes i think he could have an all right season for us again he's got a lot of plaudits just while we're on gordon i think we're a bit mad to turn down chelsea 60 million i think that's too high for him um i would look to sell him but um if we don't bring anyone in him maybe i think he'll have a good season again um onana like i said before onana really excites me um I think Dominic, I hope, pray Dominic Calvert-Lewin is due to have a really good return. I really, really do like him. And he got in, his last season was so, so sad to watch because he'd had such a great season. Then he'd had that injury season where he just could never get fit and we were rushing him back. Not his fault, we were rushing him back. Um, he chipped in at the end with the goals. He's such an important player to us. I really hope he comes back fully fit and just absolutely kicks off the way he set off under Carlo Ancelotti and gets loads of goals he really does excite me um, when we're on about people that excite you also have to do you know people that could do a little bit better um, I think Michael Keane who I don't think gets many games now we've got Tarkowski and Cody I think he could do a lot better um, 
personally. I think he's one that needs to perform. Solomon Rondon, he needs to do a lot better as well. He really, um, I don't know if it's his age, the, the physicality of him, but he, he's very, very tough to watch playing football. Um, I know he was signed under Benitez, who had experience with him, but um, I don't think he's one for us right now. Um, so, yeah, unfortunately, um, I don't think we're going to be pushing for the top four, and I hope we're not in the bottom three. I think the top four will probably be Manchester City. I still think Liverpool, even though they've had a tough start, um, I think they'll, it's, it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. There's plenty left to go. I think those two. I think Tottenham. Um, and then I think Arsenal will get the fourth spot. Um, Tottenham, because Conte's a world-class manager, they made a lot of good signings this transfer window. I think they need them to gel, and I think they'll be f- absolutely fine. Arsenal, Gabriel Jesus, Sinchenko, big signings. Some of the t- signings that Arteta made before have gelled well together. And also, I just think Chelsea are at such six and sevens that it's going to take a while for them Um the same as us there's only a week left for them and they've got a lot to do they need a striker uh, as well they're looking at Mbamiang I don't know if he's the um, answer but he might be the short term fix for it um, but yeah I feel like Chelsea might fall away a little bit Tuchel might struggle and that's where Arsenal can jump in and get it um, which would be great for Arsenal um, and Gabriel, Gabriel Jesus is going to score a plentiful for them I think um, this season the bottom three I think it'll be Fulham and I think it'll be Bournemouth, definitely. I think Bournemouth will bottom, followed by Fulham. Um, and then that third one, I think it could be a number of teams. I think if we're not careful, we will be around them. I think I think Southampton run the risk of being there as well. If they don't get their act together, they dropped away towards it last season. So I think they're in trouble of getting there. But I also think Nottingham Forest, despite all the improvements, if they're not careful, will also fall down there. Um, depending on how well they gel, because they brought a lot, they brought a lot of players. But it does feel a little bit like they did a Fulham when Fulham did it. So buying a lot of players doesn't guarantee you Premier League survival. Um, my thoughts on Brentford this season, which why I've not mentioned them, is I think they'll do well. Um, I think Brentford will do well, and they'll avoid the drop again. Um, I think roundabout where you finished last season, maybe hopefully a couple of places higher for Brentford, um, just because I like them. They're a very well-run club. Not just saying that because I'm on a Brentford podcast. I think they're a very well-run club and they've got a nice community spirit around them. Um, Last season, they did really well. I think they started strong. That win over Arsenal was fantastic. The atmosphere was amazing. I was watching it on the telly and you could just hear it. Um, Fell away a little bit. There was a point where we had two games in hand on Brentford. And I thought we, if we won them, we'd have jumped ahead. And I was sort of hoping because it was either us or, or Brentford getting relegated, I was hoping we could jump them. Um, but then uh, I think your injuries had come back and it just went all the way through. It almost looked like as well, like a change of style. Um, and you just absolutely powered through, got to safety, did really, really well to end it. I think those two games, we lost them and then you'd won the next three. And I was like, well, we're never catching them now have to look at the next team just above us or just below us and see um, who you can put like who we can sort of hope go down uh, but yeah I think Brentford will do well this season as well like I said it's a marathon I think there'll be patches where you struggle as will every team but I don't think you'll be anywhere near the danger um, just because you've got so many good players as well there's a number of players that 
worry me. He, Ivan Tony is absolutely fantastic. Uh, I, I heard we were linked, loosely linked with United, uh, same with United only a week ago. I'd absolutely love him. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think Brentford need to let him go. Um, and I, I just don't think I don't think it'll happen. I don't think he goes to United either. But what a fantastic footballer he is. He uses his body well. He's physical. He's absolutely fantastic. Um, and then you've made some new signings. Ben Mee's a very, very good centre-back. Um, the likes of him. Um, Damsgaard as well. Fantastic centre-back. Uh, fantastic left winger. Had a really good Euros. Um, I really liked Ben Mee when he was at Burnley. I think that's such a clever buy. Um but I think, and I think they all improve you. I think Aaron Hickey is an improvement. I think Ben Mee's experience is absolutely brilliant. Um, I think other than last season, his injury record's all right as well. Keen Lewis Potter, we were rumoured to be after um, and never got him. And then he went to you guys. That's a great acquisition of really young English talent, which is great to see. Um, so yeah, lots of good players that I think will help. It also adds a bit of depth to Brentford. I don't think you've, other than Ericsson, I, I might be wrong, but I don't think you've got rid of any big, big players. So it's pretty much similar squad. You're just adding depth to it, which is just answering the problems you had last season with injury. You're now filling the gaps. Strakosha, obviously Rayo was out last season and you struggled to replace him. Strakosha is a good backup keeper now. So you've just added depth because you obviously realise injuries were your problem. I think um, I hate to, um, I, I do this thing um, um, where if I think we're going to lose a game, I go for a draw at the least. Um, I think we might. I think it might be one all against Brentford, but I do have this sneaky feeling that Brentford are going to beat us. Um, I just can't see where our goals come from at the minute. Uh, obviously, from an Everton point of view, I hope I'm wrong, but I really just can't see where our goals come from. So it's going to be really, really tough. I think the game will be a tough game. I think we'll inv- we'll invite a lot of pressure from you, and I think you'll pressure us for a lot of the game. Uh, you'll out those in the stats uh, as well. I fear. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a really tough one. Um, but that's all. That's all I've got to say on the game. Um, obviously, hope the fans um, going down to Brentford have a great time. The Everton fans, and hope that obviously Brentford fans have a great time. Um, Billy was telling me there's no segregated pubs, which is absolutely fantastic. So I hope, just hope everybody has a great time uh, and enjoys it. So there we go, Connor Toffee Blues podcast. He good bloke he is. I. Love him to come down at the weekend. I know tickets are really hard to come by, but yeah, you know, just to share a beer and chat with him because he's really level-headed. He actually really likes Brentford just by the way that we run, and he's a he's a proper football person. And as you know, we've got quite a good relationship with people from Liverpool. We like Liverpool as a place because they're all good and they're cool. And uh, like I said to you uh, after Saturday, I hope that Everton do all right. To be honest with you, just because of Connor, because he's all good. But Connor was a bit nervous about this season um, and a bit nervous nervous about the Lampard as well wasn't he the cog yeah and I think rightly so I mean they've got uh, a, a lot of work to do to even establish themselves as a, as a mid-table side you know I think he's absolutely right when he says that they're probably not going to be top four that made me laugh mm. a little bit actually <laughs> and that actually you know Ivan Tony may not go there after all uh, so I think they're you know they're they're it's clear where they are as a club. Personally, I don't think that Lampard deserved that job. I think he got it on the strength of his uh, playing career rather than anything else. Uh, I think he, he did quite well at the very end of last season because I really thought they were going to go down and they did manage to turn it around. So, 
there is some fighting spirit there. Uh, but as I said before, I think this is a, uh, a game where we start as favourites and uh, we should look to really uh, go at them really hard because I think we're a, we're a better side than them. Just, just Laney, just looking at these strengths and weaknesses of Everton, okay? They're good at creating long shot opportunities and using through balls and creating scoring chances. They're also good at protecting the lead, so we don't want to go behind. And also, they're good at stealing the ball from opposition. But where they're weak is keeping possession of the ball, finishing scoring chances, avoiding fouling in dangerous areas, and they're very weak at defending counter-attacks and also aerial duels. So, you know, for us... I mean, you know, in the air, <laughs> we've got question marks about ourselves there as well. But also on the counter-attack, that's one area that we are absolutely, you know, we're, we're on fire. You know, if, if we decide that we're going to click, this is an area where we can actually totally and utterly kind of, you know, dominate the Everton on Saturday. But it's a big question mark, isn't it? Yeah, it is a, it's a big question mark. I mean, like, you know, looking at the t their team and the players, again, you know, they they have got quality there. They've got, they have got bags of experience there, but they, they seem to be kind of jaded um they they don't really have a, a footballing philosophy and style of play as such you know um lampard as 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 cog said you know i'm not sure why he was head and shoulders above uh, other play, other managers or head coaches in the market um it's, it seems all about uh reputation and uh and, and looking back as a player um and maybe like the kind of players that might want to come and play for him yeah. um, based on, you know, his contacts at Chelsea, perhaps. I don't, I, I don't know, but it, it seems short-termism. I, I, I think, you know, he'll, he, he could be out of a job if the, you know, the, the winless run um, or, the, or the kind of, it gets dragged into another relegation dogfight. You know, Anthony Gordon, there's chances, there's talk about him going to Chelsea for 60 million quid, which begs the question, God only knows what some of our players are worth. I know Anthony Gordon is a great player, um, but you know he, he hasn't. He hasn't, and he's young as well. I know he's nineteen or twenty, so he, he is a, a bit younger than someone like Brian and Bumo. But Brian and Bumo and um, and Tony are scoring goals and creating assists at a, are at a fire, far higher level than than he is. So you know, sixty million. You've got to be thinking somewhere similar, and in Ivan's case, you know more. So you know, I, I, again, we don't want to talk. Sort of, not that any anyone's going to make a decision on buying those two players based on this podcast. But you know, it's just let's not let's not talk up them 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 going because I think they're here for at least another transfer window, if not another two or three. Um, so yeah, so take Anthony Gordon out of that scenario for Saturday. Um, give us uh, a, you know um, a, 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 an upbeat kind of up and at them mentality that we didn't start the game at Fulham with that we did we did in the uh, the game against Man United if we go out and get a big atmosphere going at, um, at the ground you know Everton are, are there they're wobbly already um, so I, I, I think the signs are good mate the signs are good that's right I mean talking about you know up and at them talking about goals I mean they've scored one goal so far this season with Damari Gray scoring that goal obviously somebody's got to give them an assist just quickly just between the two of you just pick anyone out the hat which Everton player do you think has got the one assist for Everton this season for that Demario Gay goal, Laney. Oh, not Tarkowski. Put the cog. What do you reckon? I'd, <laughs> uh, I'd go. I'd go him as well. Actually, I've got a nasty feeling it was. No, Jordan Pickford. 
Do you want oh, to okay. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 straight to the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So yeah, so it might it might give an idea of what kind of football we might be expecting from uh, from Everton, especially if they know what our Achilles heel is going to be. Because so we need to watch out for that, don't we? You know, might have to shove Tony, either Tony back in defence again, Laney. Shall we? You know, yeah, well, Dean I mean, days. Yeah, they, I mean, they have, yeah, they've got Colin Cody back on loan from Wolves. You know, they do. I got some. They got some good players, but Jordan Pickford, he's he's, he's always got a wobble in him as well, and he. Yeah. yeah, Cody is a yeah. strange decision. I mean, you know, <clears throat> he he looked to me like a really good player at Wolves, and I'm sure he'll be good at Everton as well. But it's an odd move for him to make. I think he's only there on loan as well, isn't he? I think I think he is as well, and I mean talking about Connor Cody, but also going back to James Tarkowski, who obviously played for Brentford, and uh, you know he he's not the most popular player at all because of uh, and if Everton fans are listening, is that he went on strike when he was in the we in the Championship, and uh, he got an offer to go to Burnley, and then he decided that he wasn't going to play for us until he got a move to Burnley, which obviously didn't go down too well. So he's called the Judas, as uh, <laughs> people call him, or some other people call him the Jughead Judas as Jughead, well. Ju- yeah, Jughead yeah. Judas is better. Yeah. So uh, so Tarkovsky. So it's interesting because he moved to to Burnley, but then there was the rumours that he was going to move to Man United, he was going to move to all these Leicester, all these different places for about fifty million, but in the end. I think he uh, Everton got him on a free transfer, which was a bit gutting for us, which means that we didn't get any extra money because we were desperately hoping that he was going to move elsewhere, weren't we? Yeah, we were. You know, it's 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 gutting if you miss out on on the sell-ons. Um, I know we did get you know a chunk more when he made his England debut, um, and there was you know there was like appearance um, bonuses as well. So we probably have got a fair few few payouts. The other one that we could miss out on is if uh, Neil Morpay um, gets gets transferred out of Brighton. So you know this 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 talk of you know him going to Fulham and this talk about Forest being in for their thousandth player of the summer. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't think the the numbers that I'm hearing about Morpay mean there's a profit on him. So we probably don't get any extra percentages on on that. And then just quickly, just flipping back to the Fulham game, Neil Malpay moving to Fulham, I'm going to ask you, because you said, look, it didn't seem that bad because we're in the same league and all this. If Malpay had scored that last minute goal for Fulham, would you be more gutted? Yeah, of course. But I mean, so, so I'll be gutted even more if Jamie Curison had scored the goal as well. But, you know, it's, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not I'm not that bothered about Malpay going to Fulham. I, I think he'll just sit on the bench. I think it's a shit move if he goes there, to be honest with him. I think he's, I think he's better off going somewhere else when he can play. So the cog Saturday Everton. What do we need to do? I mean, to get back to that Man United vibe, are we are we going to pretty much keep it as it is? Obviously, Damsgaard came off against Colchester. He had a, a relatively quiet game, um, but then he still needs to get back to fitness. He still needs to understand our league. He still needs to understand the players he's playing around with. What's your thoughts on the team on Saturday? I, I think he'll he'll probably start on the bench. Uh, you know, he he looked good. You know, you could see his quality the other night. Uh, but he doesn't look ready yet. Uh, and I think he will need to bulk up a little bit, actually. He's, he's uh, quite frail-looking with like really, really thin legs, which I, I don't know why, but that really kind of stood out for me. But he's obviously going to become a, a first-choice first player, but probably in a few weeks' time, I, I'd have thought. So I'd stick with, you know, the, the, the Man United and Fulham side, you know, if Roslev's fit, uh, if not, then uh, I, th- I think the worry remains our kind of uh, the heart of our defence, where you've got we're really missing Pinnock 
massively, aren't we? Both in the air, but also with that little bit of extra pace and calmness as well. So I'd probably stick with a, a team close to uh, what's been put out so far. There might be a case for uh, Lewis Potter to come in instead of uh, Visa, maybe give Visa a go from the bench. Uh, I think Jensen, who I'm on the whole not the biggest fan of, but he was sensational against United. So I think he's warranted another another start. Uh, and you've probably, you know, s- similar team, I think, probably with Baptiste coming on for Josh at some point. Okay, so listen, I'm going to go around the table here quickly and ask you for a score prediction, Laney. Uh, I'm going to go for a 3-1 Brentford win. 3-1 Brentford and the cog. I think if Gordon's not playing or if he's distracted, then 3-1. I think if he is, I'd be a bit more cautious, 2-1. They, they, they have got some dangerous players. He's one of them. Damari Gray's another one. Uh, so, we, you know, we can't be complacent, but this this should be three points if we play at our best. OK, and I'm going to go 2-0 to the mighty, mighty bees. I'm still going for that 2-0. It's going to come in at some time for me. So this is all good. So listen, this is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast, like I said to you. Everton fans, go and check out um, the Ian Westbrook preview, uh, which is out on Friday. It's got all the pubs to go to. There's loads of pubs, millions of pubs, like 40, 50 pubs, 60 pubs, 100 pubs in the area. You can check them out as well. Don't forget... Brentford fans, check out besotted.com forward slash global. It's our little social media, little community, which is out there and just doing its thing. And you can go there and just try it out. And if you like it, you can hang around. And if you don't like it, it's no problem at all. We're still going to be doing the things that we do. Also, don't forget besotted.com forward slash beer. If you like what you do, buy us a beer as well. We really appreciate all the people that bought us beers. We are going to shout you out in the next few weeks as well. Um, subscribe on all good podcast channels and write us a review but saturday i'm looking forward to go down to the booze my, my mate dlt's coming down the old charlton man you know who said that we'd never get to premier league and he's going to come down to the globe and eat his words down there i'm going to watch him eating his words on the plate <laughs> like, as charlton are languishing in division one which is all good um but other than that like i said to you um i've got the lady in the house good evening to you and i've got the cog in the place good evening to you and good evening to myself as well. I want to say Billy Grant. I said I've got the cog, we've got the lady, we've got the Everton who's coming down. As we say, come on, come you on, be. come on, you be. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.